Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. The next aspect of wisdom, and in looking at it, last week we looked at wise decision-making, um, but then there comes this this aspect of looking at things and about how we become known as wise and how we can become known as fools. And there's certain characteristics that are found there. Now, in looking at wisdom, you have to understand that the wisdom issue doesn't have to do with, like, your eternal security in God. It doesn't have to do with any of that. It's a wisdom issue. It's, uh, it's interesting that it says of Jesus after his whole episode of, of, you know, when he was 12 and was speaking to the elders and everything. And, and it says that he grew in wisdom and stature before men. Um, did Christ know all things? I think he did. But he also grew in wisdom. And that's what this is about. How do we grow in wisdom, and we need a big dollop. Do you know what a dollop is? I don't, but it's a nice word. A dollop is a big helping, you know, it's what uh, good uh, old-fashioned grandmas used to do. You know, they gave you a dollop of something, especially mashed potatoes. I love me some mashed potatoes, obviously. Um, I want to talk to you this morning about, yeah, oh, hang on, yeah. And this little thing right here will get you in a whole lot of trouble. The tongue, the tongue will get you in trouble. And I want to look at that this morning. Now, again, I'm not talking about how much God loves you or doesn't love you, how much you're doing something or not doing something. It's a wisdom issue. And if I'm seeing anything that we need right now, it is wisdom. Look at Proverbs 15.1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of fools pours forth foolishness. It just does. Um, Brenda had a saying, and it was sort of off a proverb, and I think it was sort of, I don't know if she read it someplace, but she used to tell uh, a lot of students that we discipled at one point in time, it's better to be quiet and thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Um, what it's saying is just be careful with your, with your words. Look at Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So how important are our words? Very, 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 very important. That's why it's so important to confess Christ. That confession about you, and, I, and I'm not talking about, most of the church have been taught for years to confess sin. When you confess Christ and who you are in Christ, your whole attitude changes. 
that confession, the power of your words spoken of you. You know, I was joking around looking in the mirror and seeing an old biker. Actually, what I have practiced is when I look in the mirror, when I get up in the morning, I say, oh, Lloyd, there you are. You are filled with the Spirit of God this day. And God is just thinks you are incredible and he loves you so much this day. You start practicing that, guess what you walk in? That. You're filled with knowledge today, not, oh man, God, I wish I could understand this. There's two different approaches and it has to do with what you're confessing with your tongue. Listen to Proverbs 10, 18. I don't have it up there. Whoever hides hatred has lying lips, and whoever spreads slander is a fool. In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. But he who restrains his lips is wise. That's the characteristics. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. What if you confess that? So, a little side story. I'm in Aldi. Aldi and Walmart are my two favorite places. They, they are just, it's like low-hanging fruit, you guys. <laughs> Not that I'm trying to do like spiritual notches on my gun, but if you'll just say a little prayer before you go in there, God's got some sort of divine appointment waiting for you. In Aldi, yes! So anyway, I was checking my food out and the clerk starts saying something to me and I did something not snarky but just kind of jokey it's my it's me who I am you guys know me well some of you know me well and uh, she said "Mm, better be careful I said yeah I said I'm kind of honoring my wife tells me that but it's caused me to live a life of adventure and she said well that's fine as long as you're a moral man I said moral I said, I'm a righteous man on the earth. She went, what? She said, I'm a righteous man here on the earth. I'm the righteousness of God. God's righteousness is in me. How can I not be moral? I'm a righteous man on the earth. That's the lips of the wise. You see, those were, those were silver. Mmm. Going right into that gal. You know, we had a wonderful little, uh, you know, just a wonderful little, didn't even have to be, do you know Jesus? It wasn't that. It was God. God was doing stuff, and it, it was the words that were coming out of my mouth, you know. This is a difficult subject matter. Grace people should never shy away from difficult subject matters. They should never shy away from difficult scriptures, nor should they wish them away. They are designed by God so that we grow in wisdom. So that we, we look at things, you know, it's, it's just like our, our testimony. I, I've been, uh, you know, uh, I'll just tell you this. I've been accused of being easy on sin. I'm not easy on sin. I don't want anything to do with sin. Sin will 
destroy your life. Get away from it. That's why it says flee sin. Get away from it. It just doesn't have the power to keep me from the eternity of God. He defeated that power. Remember, sin and death, he defeated them. Our words and how we walked them out as grace people, and we looked at it earlier in 1 Corinthians and in Colossians and everything. Listen, you are supposed to speak and have your words seasoned with grace. And grace is an incredible seasoning. And then you come back to this book. I call it the book of consternation. Listen, James is tough. It's supposed to be. You want to ride in that tension. You won't grow if you're not challenged. And I think the Lord understood that. And I think that's why James was included. We need to be challenged in our views, not about your eternity, but about your life. How you grow, how you understand things. When did you grow the most? When you were in La La Land? Having wonderful times, you just grew monumentally, right? No, you grow in, in, in difficult situations and stuff. We used to call that comfort zone or learning zone. People don't grow in their comfort zones. We just don't very well. But we grow in learning zones because then you get in touch with what you think you don't have. Or what you think you do need. Read this with me. Matter of fact, let's read it out loud. You read aloud with me. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Oh, wait. There we go. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water, and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring can yield both salt water and fresh. 
this thing can get us in trouble. Or this thing can release blessings to other people in the name of our God who we believe in. So it's really important. I'm not saying that you're in trouble when you get in trouble with your mouth, but I tell you what, a lot of the time it feels that way, doesn't it? I don't know about you, but like I was pretty good at harnessing the biggies. Like, you know, what that gal said about being a moral man. I didn't want to live that way, and I was pretty good on pulling all that other stuff back. But I liked words. I liked fun words. And when I was felt conviction about not saying naughty words anymore, then I learned to say words that were in place of the naughty words that were actually meaner than the naughty words themselves. Because it was swordplay for me. Because I was an English major. And I could use my words to cut you three ways, long, deep, and often. And you didn't know it. You could walk away going, oh, at least I thought so. That was my arrogance. It's funny how much this is tied to arrogance. Do you know humble people are quiet? Really, it's a, it's, in some cultures, it's thought of as a sign of humility that when you're quiet. It's hard to keep your tongue, have you noticed? They call it muzzling. It's a nice word. So, when I was in the military, I used to be a dog handler. Great big old German shepherd. Mean. Oh, yeah, but he was so junkyard mean. You know what I had to do? When I was around other people, I would have to put a muzzle on him or he would try to bite other people and bite other dogs. He was a dog fighter, so he'd muzzle him. So he'd put this leather thing, strap it over his head. He hated it, too. He'd give me dirty looks. He knew what I was doing. But if I didn't, and even when I did that, because of how he'd been trained to guard me and guard other things, is when we would stand with other people, he would bump my leg all the time. He wanted to bite so bad, and he wanted to bark worse. Have you ever heard a dog bark with a muzzle on? He just can't get it out. You see, if I had not muzzled him, he would have bit and hurt somebody. A lot of times, that's where we start. You really do have to muzzle it. You really do. So you quit biting people. And the person that can't see that, that talks too much, that interjects their presence, that's always doing that, when they can't see that, it's not that others don't. Others do. They're not self-aware. And so putting a muzzle on yourself is an issue of self-awareness. It's a wisdom issue. It doesn't have anything to do with smartness or stupidity or any of those things. One of the places in humility of learning about the tongue is understanding that you will never fully tame it. You just won't. 
if you're going to make a mistake, uh, it will probably be with your tongue. It just will. That'll be the thing. Haven't you ever been like talking to somebody you really care for and, it came, and stuff came out and as it's coming out, you want to grab the words? I don't know. Maybe you're not like wired like I am. You know, the words go out and then I'm going, no. You remember when you were younger, early teen years and you just had to say it? You couldn't stop. And then after it started to come out, you're going, I don't really think that. I don't really, I don't, I don't. And, the, and they start getting that. Jesus talked about that in Luke 17. Look at this. He says, it's inevitable that stumbling blocks come, but woe to him through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he was thrown into seed than that he would cause one of the little ones to stumble. And this isn't just talking about your eternity. He's talking about that when you hurt other people who are made in that big word, the similitude, that means in the likeness of God, when you use words to hurt other people, it hurts. It doesn't mean that you can't ever get it right. You have to own the wrong of it and go, man, my, I shoot my mouth off. That's the first, when you can start acknowledging that, I can shoot my mouth off. Isn't it interesting that the first sin after the fall was the sin of the tongue? The slander and accusation. Did you eat that fruit? The woman you gave me. Never mind the scriptures earlier that says this, that he was right there with her and he didn't say a word when the enemy was tempting. Larry Crabb wrote a whole book about that. It's called The Sin or The Silence of Adam. I will tell you this, what I really believe in my heart. The issue of the tongue is really important to God because he is the word. He understood the power and the expression and the, what, what the word does. He created by the word. Hebrews 1 tells us that all things that were created was by the word. The multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. That's Proverbs 10. It's a tough message, but I'm telling you this. In your growing period, especially right now with what's going on, if you can do a few things, um, I set a focus of a long period of my life that I'm actually living in the fruit of it now. And I don't always do it 100% right, but listen, I've gained so much because the Lord made this evident to me uh, when I was 35 years old. And he just made it very clear to me that the issue in my life was my mouth. 
And he gave me promises over that. And I took them to heart. And so I started meditating and I started memorizing. Did you hear that? Memorize. You have to memorize when you're younger the word of God. You have to memorize it because when you do, it's not just there for to look at it and read it and meditate it. It's there in your heart. So the Psalms or the Proverbs say, no, 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 no. Psalm says, 119, thy word I've hid my heart that I might not sin against thee. Oh, hiding it there is memorizing it. I've got it there. I own it. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. How can you muzzle the tongue if nobody can do it? Well, this is one of the first scriptures I started with, was Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Just don't let them come out. It's a lot easier to deal with your thoughts than it is with your words. Because when it's with my thoughts... Now, now it's me and the Holy Spirit. And he goes, man, really, Lloyd? <laughs> Come on. You're more than that. But when it's out of my mouth, now it's not just Holy Spirit and me. Now suddenly it's Holy Spirit, me, and the other person or persons. This used to scare me to death to teach. I still get, there's still times I get up here and get in anxiety and I go, no, don't make a stupid mistake. No, don't say a bad word. No, don't. You ought to try it sometime. Speak in front of other people. Do it once a week for about seven years. And tell me you never make a mistake. (sighs) That's why I said, don't let many of you become teachers. I don't know about the stricter eternal judgment. I don't believe that. But man, the judgment of walking through life, knowing that I'm going to use words and knowing that I am perfectly capable of stumbling in front of you? (sighs) But here's what I know. When I line up my language and my communication with the word of God, then my words speak life just like Jesus did. John 6, 63 says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. I want to speak life to you. That's why I love the message of the gospel. That's why I love the grace message. That's why I love emphasizing. Why do you emphasize grace so much? Because the New Testament does. It's a new covenant of grace. I talk about grace all the time because that's what the New Testament does. We just don't read it that way. You put on grace spectacles, all of a sudden grace jumps off, the, off every verse. You're going, what? What? All of a sudden it's there. And it becomes, oh. And I pray, this is what my prayers regarding grace, by the way, this is a little side message. I pray for the revelation of more abundant grace all the time. Why? Because that's the only thing I'd grown by. All the other stuff was my flesh. I might have indeed became a 
more moral man, but it's, it's like what Mark Twain said. Uh, he was a good man in the worst sense of the word. I don't want to be a moral man. I want to be a Christ man. So this is what I found. Connect, connect this with me. Words are the expression of thoughts. So our thinking needs to get aligned in order to muzzle our mouths in a way that will produce life in our communications. Words are the expression of your thoughts, not just your feelings. We've always said that about feelings, but words, words are up here before you ever let them out. You're thinking about what you're going to say, and even when you don't think about it, you thought about it. It happens in nanoseconds. So I found a key, and that was my thought life. And if my thought life could, through both meditation and memorizing and the written word of God, be harnessed by the Holy Spirit, when my thoughts were different, my words were different. And so here's what I did. I quit trying to muzzle my tongue, and I tried to train it. To speak life and blessings. That's why I'm, I'm going out a lover of God. I refuse, I'm not going to be a grumpy old man. I refuse it. I'm just not going to do that. I'm not going to be mean-spirited. I'm not here to point out everybody's failures. I am here to love you in the Lord. And so I say, I'm going out a grace man. Man, you really need to determine that. And then you need to follow up on it. The way you follow up is look at this. Here's your meditations for alignment. They are found in one passage of Scripture. God made it so easy for us. Philippians 4, 8 and 9. And I put up the New American Standard here, but look at this. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellent and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace is going to be with you. So here's laid out. If it's true, it means it's accurate. Will it give an accurate or impression or an account of things? Honest. It means should it be imitated by others? That's actually what the word translated in the Greek means. Could others go, yeah, I want, I want that too. It's an honest word. Just. Is it appropriate to say at the time it can be the truth and slay somebody? Have you ever taken somebody out with the truth? I have. Now that was helpful. Cut them right off at the knees. Well, you're stupid, aren't you? It wasn't just. It was transparent and honest. They were being stupid. But was it, was it really just to say that right then? 
Is it pure? Is it motivated by pride and jealousy? Or by humility? Is it lovely? Oh, lovely. Just lovely, darling. That's actually, it means so much more than that. Um, Do you ever put flowers in the kitchen? Cut flowers? And go, wow, that's lovely. That's what it means. It brightens or refreshes, brings to life those who hear it. Are your words lovely? Good. That means it's actually tied to the word reputation of good repute. Will it add to or diminish somebody's reputation? Excellence is the word virtue and virtuous. Um, Really what it means is, will it cause others to live godly? Is it inviting? Is it compelling? Is it compelling them to look at God? Is it praiseworthy? Will it edify and build up everybody that hears it? To strengthen, to build up. That's why when I ask you to pray for each other, I don't want you to discuss your problems. I just want you to release a blessing. Because discussing the problem or the situation will get you bogged down, but praying the presence of God is the answer. Really, really is. It's the answer. So, there is a whole list of Proverbs that identify the tongue and that identify the wisdom or the foolishness. And I put some of them up here for you. So you're going to have to take a snapshot, otherwise you're going to have to look them up yourself, which I would prefer, but I'm making it a little bit easier. So there's two pages of them, by the way, and that only covers about one-fourth of them that are just found in the Word of God. Some of these immediately. Uh, when I turned 35, these were the ones. I wrote them down. I had them on little note cards. I started memorizing them. They're still so precious to me. Proverbs 13.3. He who guards his mouth preserves his life, but he who opened wide his lips shall have destruction. I wanted to be guarded. And I wanted to be careful. Um, I already had kind of a diplomatic personality. I'll put the next one up in a minute if you're, when you're ready. I, you know, I had one, uh, the head of the English department at the University of Arizona told me on, both in person and on a, actually he, he wanted to talk to me about it, so my first paper I turned into his class, uh, he, he had an F written on it, and I was devastated. And, he, and it said, please see me after class. And then he talked to me about it. He said, Mr. Rindles, I can tell by re- reading your paper that you were a born diplomat. He said, you ne- say neither yes or no. Take a stand and make it. And he said, by the way, this is one of the best written papers I've ever had. And he put the other leg on the F and made it an A. So I was like, oh, my God. I walked out of there. But I also realized that I could be so diplomatic with my words 
that I often wasn't giving accurate representation, and I'm not talking to you about that. But I know this, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Every time, every time. Look at Proverbs 15.4, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Oh, now that's one you got to study out. And perverse means crooked and backwards. Backwards. The wrong way. Look at verse 23 of Proverbs 15. A man has joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, how good it is. That is the joy and the reward I get as a teacher. When I got this one memorized, it was a game changer for me. Because I understood that the fruit of being a teacher was seeing people get an aha look come into their eyes and faces. And I was like, ah, oh, I got to be a part of that. It brought value into my own heart about what I could say with my mouth. You know, it set the whole, set the whole course. People have asked him, I'm struggling with the numbers that are coming to New Day, and are you still okay with all that? No, of course I'm not. But listen, this is what the Lord instructed me years ago. He used a poem by E.E. E. Cummings. Now, he doesn't title his poems. But the poem says this, I'd rather teach one bird how to sing than 10,000 stars how not to dance. No, it's dance. That, it was like a scripture. God used it and he zeroed it into my heart. You got to find that place. Oh, you're 15 now. You got to find that place where he zeroes it and puts it right inside of you. And nobody can steal it. It's yours forever. And you guard it like choice silver, just like buying gold right now. You put it away in a safe deposit box and it's yours. And you can own it. And it's choice and it has to do with words. Because if one bird will sing the song of the gospel... I won. Me, I won. Here's the second one. You ready with your cameras? Look at Proverbs 21, 23. Here's one of those promises I was just talking about, about hiding it away. Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. Your soul is your mind, emotion, and will. If you want to have peace, watch your mouth. If you want to have peace, watch your mouth. This is often misquoted and misapplied. And I'll give it to you the way I learned it, but St. Francis of Assisi said this, always preach the gospel and sometimes use words. 
sometimes use words. If that sets your heart into motion, see, when you start learning this, it's not just the Bible that, where you can hear those choice silver things. It's in the wisdom that's in the world. It's in the wisdom of everyday life. It's in the wisdom of a communication with your family members. It's found there. I want to close with this. I'm always stunned by the Proverbs 31 woman. I don't think I've ever done a marriage where I don't refer to it. This is stunning. This, this, this is the this is the picture of the woman of wisdom. And 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 who the the uh, Proverbs 31 woman isn't about femininity. It's not about gender. It's about who we are. Who we really are. I love this. She opens her mouth with wisdom. And this is how you know if you're walking in wisdom. And on her tongue, it's the law of kindness. I like kind people. I like the old bumper sticker that said mean people suck. I don't like mean people. They're arrogant, they're crass, they're nasty with their mouth. They tell me I'm something that I don't believe I am. They try and steal who I am away. No, you don't. You stop that. I don't like you. I'll pray for you. You ever watch Hook? You know, and the little girl looks at Captain Hook, you're a mean, mean man, and you need a mommy really bad. This woman longed to be this woman. This woman has the law of kindness on her tongue. Doesn't that sound good? Somebody should write a song about the, you know, law of kindness on the tongue. This is what we were meant for. When I tell you that God likes you, this is what he wants coming out of your mouth. He likes you. Now speak as though he was speaking. I never got into the kingdom by people telling me how bad I was. Nope. I just sounded like everybody else. I came into the kingdom because I believed how good God was. And that he could rescue me out of any badness that had ever happened. Both the ones I did and the ones that were done to me. Stunning. God, we pray right now. Each of us individually, we pray right now. No matter where it's at, if we have to use a bridle and a bit or a muzzle... Whatever it takes, God, help us with our words. Help us to be kind, gentle, sweet. We want to be the people that are known for being sweet. We want this testimony. Oh, they were so kind to me. 
they were so kind. We can only do that when we recognize how kind you have been to us. You are so kind. Let that spirit that dwelt in you, that raised you from the dead, now dwell in us in such a way that the kindness of God emanates out of our mouth. So help us, God. Amen. Stand with me.